It's Mackie and Judd time. They're live from Radio Skid Row. Yes, that is correct, Kenny. In fact, we have uh, we have a loaded guest list today. Ryan Leaf will join the show at 10.15. Ross Tucker at 10.45. And Road Warrior Animal, baby. You're so excited at about 11. this. 11.15. Joe Laurinaitis. He's two tables away. I know he is, and you're kicking out. Should I put him in a sleeper hold right now and see what happens? Absolutely not. That'd be a really bad <laughs> idea for the show. With the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? All right, Mackie and Jub, we're live here at Radio Row Mall of America, and uh, we last night. Let's you know, I actually made a list of all of the things that caught my eye and caught my ear on opening night. Oh yes. Which I don't know how many people watched in prime time, but I'm sure much like the schedule release shows mm-hmm. and much like the Pro Bowl and uh, and the NFL Combine, the TV ratings are probably going to be a lot more high for. For an event like that, then you would think, right? Which is why this used to be media day held on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then, like, with all of the things that you just brought up, the league looked and said, why don't we just make it a primetime TV event? Because people, like with the Pro Bowl, Correct. people will watch, and they do. It is funny, like, the, the, the things that the NFL makes into primetime events that you could literally just show painting of the lines on the field at Gillette Stadium before week one. 4.2. 4.2. And have commentators, yes. So uh, I, I have a list of things. I've got one as well, so right, shoot. Let's just let's just go through some of these. So a f- uh, f- guy in full football uniform. Yep, with Aust- from Austria. Was it Austria? It was Austria, Why was yes. he wearing a full football I uniform? I did not approach him. A lot of people did. Okay. I did not. But, yes, including... Helmet, shoulder pads, the entire deal. Yeah, here is the, uh, this is the bingo list, baby. If you, if you had a bingo card, these are the things that would be calling off last night. Guillermo from the Jimmy Kimmel Show mm-hmm. was all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, taking selfies with people and asking funny questions. Uh, JB Smoove was in the house, and uh, Telemundo had multiple reporters. Or was it was it Univision or Telemundo? I, I don't, don't know, know but, but way, I saw a bunch of reporters. A bunch yeah. of, like, wacky questions. One of them was asking a random backup offensive lineman for the Patriots, if he scored a touchdown, how would he celebrate in the end zone? And the guy's like, I, I, football. I heard a, pa- a Patriot lineman w- was asked, what are you wearing? Like a red carpet? Like, you know, I'm wearing I'm wearing Versace or something? I'm wearing champion. And he looked back. Russell, Russell Athletic. The best part was he had no idea what, what the reference was. He looked back and said, what do you mean, what am I wearing? Yeah. And they're like, oh, what are you wearing? What are you sporting today? And he's like, a, a sweatsuit with my number on it. Uh, it's a, it's I'm number a, 62. It's an Under Armour pullover uh, with some sequins, maybe. Yeah, one of the, the, the – there's so many weird interactions, and I feel like Patriots players are just programmed to be cyborgs in those instances. Now, Bill Belichick had a suit and a tie, and he was showing some personality and answering questions, and, you know, Tom Brady is always the same. But some comedian went up to one of the one of the offensive linemen for the Patriots and said, he had this big sort of preamble, all right, I'm a stand-up comedian, and my goal in about 10 minutes is to walk over there and make Bill Belichick smile or laugh. What advice would you give to me? How can I best make Bill Belichick <laughs> Smile or laugh, and you think this is a great opportunity for an offensive lineman to show some personality. Right. And the guy was like, "I don't know, um, just uh, be on your A game, I guess. Be on your A game. Or we're on to the Eagles. We're not going to talk event, about the funny stuff." That that event, though, with, within itself, has to be incredibly bizarre. Like you're here to play, arguably the most important game of your life, right? And you're brought here, and it's supposed to be a week of preparation. And I get the press conferences and stuff. But then on Monday night, they basically take you and say, 
okay, these are press conferences in name alone, and basically people are going to try and outweird each other with their questions yeah. or their get-ups. Like, here's a few examples. Somebody went to Patrick Chung from the Patriots last night and asked him to speak Chinese into the camera. I believe Matthew Collar was there for that incident. And Patrick Chung had to remind whoever it was, I'm from Jamaica. <laughs> Just because my last oh. name is Chung doesn't mean that I'm from China. I'm from Jamaica. How about how about guy <laughs> in shark costume? But it was sort of just half. I think it went it went down. It, so it was a shark costume that went down to like his knees. Yeah. It looked like something that that he bought at a Walmart or something. And yeah, I mean, probably yeah. And he probably did. And the best part was people were stopping him, interviewing him on camera. Like, oh, this is great. Oh, for sure. If you're like local TV guy and you're sent to town, uh, we got to get something that we can put on the 10 o'clock news tonight. Let's grab Shark Guy yeah. and ask him some questions. How about somebody? I was there for this one. This was wildly uncomfortable, and Brian Hoyer did a great job handling How old is Brian Hoyer? Like 31? He's not that old, right? Yeah, probably. Somebody asked Brian Hoyer about playing in the XFL in 2020, like implying that, <laughs> hey, you're just – a crappy backup quarterback. At least it's a football question. You know, are you looking forward to the XFL, you know, a chance to maybe, uh, you know, get a starting job? And he and he smiles and kind of turns away and says, and he starts making fun of the XFL's team names and says, you know, I'm going to need I'm gonna need 15 minutes to think about that one and kind of looked off to the next reporter. Right. Uh, somebody, somebody asked, apparently, I, this is secondhand, apparently asked Bill Belichick last night if he has an illegitimate grandchild in Mexico. <laughs> I completely missed that and one. Belichick just said, no. <laughs> we're we're on to the Eagles. Uh, there was a bunch, of, Eagles. a bunch of people, I don't know if it was like on-camera people from uh, from NBC asking various football players about the This Is Us big unveil. Yeah, I know you guys, Kyler's hanging out with us. I know you guys probably don't watch it. This is I us. know exactly I'm what's going on. To it. I know exactly what's going and on. And I know part, big... two, part two tonight, is that right? Is part two of, of what's going on? I won't. I won't give. Well, there's details. a huge unveil after the Super Bowl. Okay. I believe. Okay. I thought that's what it was. We're in I'm the, hooked on the show. We're in the midst of finding out how Dad died. Correct. We've been waiting for two seasons. And we to know find sort out. of what's going on. Now. Yeah. All the pieces are adding up, and they were asking so Patriots the, players. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were all into it. I have no idea. Oh, plus, I love that show. Plus, the, it's a family of Steelers fans. So why would the Patriots <laughs> want to watch that? I show? cry every I time I watch that show. And this is this might be the most amazing thing to me. But I actually, you know, I, I commend Fletcher, Fletcher Cox for saying this uh, from the Eagles. He said he's never watched a Super Bowl before. Fletcher Cox said in his life he's never watched a Super Bowl before. So he's never even turned one on? Do you buy that? No, he not He's more of an outdoors second. guy. He's a country guy, outdoors guy. I mean, he doesn't, I doesn't sit around and watch no, TV. No, I don't buy. Even as a kid? I don't buy that in, in his entire life he hasn't come across the game once. No, I don't. I buy it as a player. I, I could see as a player, if, yes. if you get bounced, well, you're either going to play in the game, which he, I don't think he has before, uh, or you get bounced and you don't want to watch the game. You right. know, we talked about that yesterday. If I'm a Vikings player, I ain't watching the Super Bowl. But if, you grew up a, but if you grew up a football fan at all and you like the sport, and you expect me to believe that, that if you're what? He's 28 to 30, I would guess, by now. If you expect me to believe that you've never turned on the Super Bowl in your entire life, I ain't buying it for one second. Yeah, I, I guess you'd have to... You have to put yourself in the shoes of a guy who makes a lot of money doing it, but might not be in love with the actual, you know, the game as a fan. To me, the greatest troll of last night, and it's absolutely comical and fantastic, is Brady being introduced and coming out with gloves still on. Yeah. Brady, where <laughs> I love this whole thing, because 
I think he's he got the stitches out, right? Yeah, I think he did. But I, I love the complications. I love the fact that the Patriots, the Patriots uh, certainly don't tell you things, but I feel now like they troll a lot. Like there's just little things that they do, and you know, Tom, why are you wearing the gloves? Tom, you're wearing the gloves. You're yeah. still wearing the gloves. I love the fact that the Patriots have have become experts on sort of just trolling and they know that all these people would be like Brady was wearing the gloves again tonight what does that mean for Sunday's game also in addition you and I both walked by on our way in I don't know this is probably an hour and a half almost two hours ago now and WEEI in Boston is I don't know they're about 10 10 tables down to uh to the side over here and they were it was five guys at the table must have been their morning show all just screaming at each other, all of them talking at the same time, just screaming at each other for 10 minutes for a full segment. I, I looked Indecipherable screaming and ranting. And I looked that way, th- thinking to myself that it was actually just p- people outside of, of here and that there was about to be a fight. They were yelling so loud. I thought, what's the disturbance? Where's security? Oh, wait, it's the Boston radio guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just... It's just it's just guys yelling about Tom Brady's stitches in his hand. Don't know what you're talking about. Also, according to uh, our buddy Brian Murphy at the Pioneer Press, Twin Cities airports are struggling to accommodate more than 1,500 private jets for the rest of the week. So incoming private jets and then outgoing private jets after the Super Bowl. Yep. Wow. I uh, I Must saw. Nice, by the way, I saw a note yesterday. I think that said that uh, that um, Holman Field in St. Paul. And signature here are booked on Sunday for private jets. You can no longer get a flight in here or out. Com- every gotta, every gotta fly commercial middle seat. Every second is now booked. Well, I I t- told you uh, when I did a profile on Ziggy Wilf in like 2010 or so, that was my only time I got to uh, fly on a private jet. And we went down to uh, Cedar Rapids, so it was a quick flight. You drive into Signature, you park your car. You go through basically the, not even security, you basically just walk through the area where they do the, the checks and things. Because they don't care if you blow up your own plane. They don't. They just let you go right through. They're like, how are you, sir? So you could have a bomb strapped to your leg, but if there's only like five they people on a might, private jet, they, that's your problem? They might stop you. They might not. You walk onto the tarmac. You find your plane like it's your car. You get on the plane. It is the most remarkable experience. And then you get on the plane and Ziggy himself gets up and pulls out the cold cuts. You want a sandwich, Judd? You want a Diet Pepsi? You want something? Ziggy Wolf offered you cold cuts on his private He's jet? He's got this nice, great cold <laughs> cut plate coming right out of the, right in the jet. How, how can you go back to living a normal life after Ziggy Wolf offered you cold cuts on a private jet? You can't, but it's but it's like being in a really nice car. Like, it's that simple. Do, do, uh, do the owners of these planes walk around the plane parking lot like we would at the Mall of America, <laughs> hitting, hitting the beeper on their keys, like trying to find their plane? Lost the damn beep, thing again. Beep, beep. I lost uh, it again. Another, another private or chartered plane thing here. This is from uh, Kevin Watterson on Twitter. And he, this is a third hand now, but what the hell, let's go with it. He said, I saw someone say the Patriots left a plane in Boston to repaint and fly in on Monday if they win the Super Bowl so they can bring the team home with a sixth Super Bowl trophy painted on the... Because they've got five Super Bowl trophies painted on I'm, the back of the plane. I'm 1,000% buying that. They would being, paint six absolute, on the plane. Absolutely buying that. <laughs> I am absolutely... There, there is not one moment oh, that I have God. doubt that that is absolutely true. That Robert starving Goff, children all over the world and the Patriots are going to... 
have a second plane ready to paint. That Robert Kraft said, you got to get that extra trophy <laughs> on there. So what what becomes of the plane oh if, if they get the paint job done and they lose? Do they just, like, stick it in a hangar till next well, year and hope they win? You could just repaint just over Just keep repainting the, it? Well, you just repaint. If, what the, if they, keep no, it till next year. If they win the game on Sunday night, they'll paint. Well, I'm sure they're painting it right now. That's what I'm saying. And they, they can, can paint over one of them if they lose and then what, use it later. you paint a big picture of Belichick's face or a crying Jordan, yeah. <laughs> the crying Jordan That's face. That's a tough loss for us. <laughs> uh, so we are. we have a loaded show today. And uh, we're excited about it. Mall of America, Radio Row, Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar's going to join for some more reckless Viking speculation from now until the top of the hour. Ryan Leaf will join the show at 10:15. Former number two overall pick, and uh, and a guy who's done a lot of great work the last few years, getting over some mental health problems. Uh, he spent time in jail. He'll be here Addiction. to tell his story. He's got a great story. Yep, to, to talk about what he's up to in life these days. Ross Tucker, who if you're a meat and potatoes football guy, Ross Tucker's going to be one of our favorite guests of the week at 1045 today. Mm-hmm. And Joe Laurinaitis, also known as Road Warrior Animal at 1115. We're going to go back in time to uh, the Phil Mackey childhood and geek out for like 15 minutes. It's going to be great. You are, it's going to be, you are going to be in all your glory. Also on the all guest list today yep. at 12.15. So uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Two for the Money with Matthew McConaughey back in the 90s. Or, or maybe in like 2000, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. That movie was made uh, representing Brandon Lang. One of the best sports handicappers the last 20 years in the country. Brandon Lang will join the show at 12.15. So we're packed. I was going to say, we are. Yes. We're hanging out at Mall of America, Radio Row, all kinds of great content, video content, audio, written stuff, 1500ESPN.com. Also check out our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Everything is at 1500ESPN on our social media. We're pumping out all kinds of content. Uh, podcast as well. Judd, you have a message for the listeners of Mackie and Judd. I here, fire away. do indeed, Phil, uh, for the mall, and I want to tell you a story, and that's the story of my commute here today to the mall, which is basically, folks, your headquarters for the big game. My story is this. From St. Louis Park, I got here very quickly. I, I think it was about a 15-minute trip or so. I got to the parking ramp, and guess what I did? I parked. I parked for free. I found a spot. It was fantastic. This, folks, is your championship destination for great experiences, celebrity sightings, and events that will make you want to break out your best touchdown dance. We are talking about more than 65 exciting events taking place on every level around every corner of the Mall of America, and it's all going on right now. Uh, Today, check out the Best Buy Tech Zone in the Rotunda. Photo opportunity with Stefan Diggs from 215 to 3. That's right, Stefan Diggs uh, at the Best Buy Tech Zone in the Rotunda. Check that out today. Uh, see all the great experiences out here. Check out mallofamerica.com slash boldnorth. That's mallofamerica.com slash boldnorth. We'll see you out here at the Mall of America. There's no underdogs in the Super Bowl. They're the first seed in the NFC, man. They're 13-3. and three. Um, I mean, they had an incredible season, so I, I just I don't buy into any of that. Say Navy, um, Lacrosse, Lawrence Taylor, um, Bon Jovi, those okay. four. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably tough to make Bill Belichick smile. Matthew Collar, he smiles all the time, and he's with us here at Radio Row. Only when we're talking football. An observation. Oh, wait, wait. Why? Who, oh. Who powers him? Powered by Sprint. Yeah, you're correct. That's right. Powered by Sprint. Hey, give me a level check there. Say Sprint five times faster. Sprint is the best for your phone. There we go. Oh, I like that. Uh, people make fun of Tom Brady for all of his woo-woo <laughs> TB12 stuff and like how it 
basically tore apart the Patriots locker room. Can I say, with the 53 guys on stage last night, he looks like he's 23. He doesn't have wrinkles or gray hair or anything. He he looks very young and spry still for a 40-year-old quarterback. It's kind of like how uh, Cindy Crawford, wasn't she doing a redux of that commercial she had for Pepsi years ago? Yeah. And then they were redoing it and she looks like the same person. I guess it's weird how, like, when you have a ton of money that you look better than Judd at an older age. <laughs> well, and, some, and, someday when, and someday when I'm rich at 67, I'm going to look fantastic. Someday. How, the thing with Brady that's remarkable is how is the guy we saw last night, the sort of pudgy, fat guy that, that took that picture at the Combine? He wasn't pudgy and fat at the Combine. He was just, like, dad well, he was just do He was just sort of doughy. But I'm just saying he's never been like he, he he's never been dope, he's never been Chuck Norris in the no. 70s. But I mean now, but now to your point before now he looks absolutely fantastic. We need to pull that photo up. I think you're misrepresenting what Tom Brady he looked, looked like at the fat combine. Fat is going way too far. He looked yes. doughy. He looked doughy. He did he not look doughy. like a professional athlete. You did not much less not the best quarterback of all time. <laughs> the, the point, be, the point the being, the point being is you didn't look at that a combine picture of Brady and say to yourself, you know what? In X amount of years, this guy's going to be at 40, going to still be playing. He's going to be in better shape, and he is going to By look far be like the greatest 20, quarterback and, of all time. And he's going to look like he's 25 at 40. And at the Super Bowl experience, there were you can run the 40, and there were people running faster 40s than Tom Brady oh, yeah. did. Yeah, and it wasn't like not even close. There were like just guys in jeans running 40s that were similar to his. Uh, but you know, the, I think the thing that people missed on him when he was a sixth round pick was probably that with the athleticism, but also the numbers. And it's really interesting with this conversation, the Combine coming up. I mean, the Super Bowl's big now, but the Combine will come up in the draft, and we'll talk a lot about measurables and all that stuff, and this sort of applies to Case Keenum too, that it, there are a lot of different systems and factors that are hard to take into account when you play in college football. So when you play as Tom Brady did in the I-form offense that handed off a lot, he wasn't going to put up these unbelievable numbers, but if you adjusted for the way they played, then he should have been a guy that was drafted a lot higher. So it's always been interesting to me that there's a narrative that he like wasn't good in college, but he really was. It was just they were playing old-school Michigan football. And what Drew Henson played a couple games, but I've heard before, oh, he wasn't even the starter. Like, uh, okay, no, he, he was really good, but I think that that picture was one of the reasons that he was a sixth-round pick. And I also wonder if the reason he still plays in the NFL now is because he still is angry about dropping in the draft because some of these guys are so psychotic about this stuff that they never let that stuff go, and I think it continues to drive him. I agree. I think I think Belichick and Brady are both very much aware of a their standing in the history of football, and b the teams or the instances that failed them or that they were deemed failures before they arrived in New England. And to still wake up every morning after almost twenty years and feel that way when you brush your teeth and you look in the mirror that. I'm still going to stick it to somebody. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's pretty remarkable. I think they both thrive, too, like LeBron James does. You, know, you notice how midseason in January there's always some drama with LeBron James. Someone's getting fired. Someone's getting traded. They can't get along in the they locker room. They lost eight in a row. Yeah. Every time. And I, I think that there's a little bit of LeBron James and Tom Brady Belichick that loves to have that us-against-the-world sort of thing or 
just something to spark that fire when a lot of these seasons they go on and on and on and on. Basketball is definitely, you get into January, it's like, are we in the playoffs yet? Oh, yeah, not even close. And the, the same with football as the season goes along and you get into the playoffs, just that extra spark, it's almost good for them to have somebody come out with a giant expose about how yeah. they're a disaster. James is an intriguing one because he almost welcomes controversy yeah like like he create i swear he creates it uh the thing with with belichick that impresses me most though and, and this becomes the most important thing with successful people is what do they learn from failure and belichick clearly went to school on cleveland i mean his time in cleveland was not an absolute disaster but he's a guy who who was a great coordinator got his chance made a lot of mistakes alienated some players and learned and that, that to me, takes you from being potentially very successful to greatness. What did you learn from, from situations where you didn't succeed? So did you, are you stubborn and you say, well, I still did a great job? Or do you look back and say, you know what, if I had treated these veterans better, they probably would have played a little bit better for me and gone down the list of what you can possibly glean from when things didn't work. And he's such a historian, too, that I think he understands that anybody who's last for a long time has to be constantly adapting. So you've seen him reinvent their defense, reinvent their offense. And I was looking this up last night after listening to Devin McCourty quite a bit, which was a fascinating experience because Devin McCourty has to be one of the smartest players I've ever listened to. And then someone would just walk up and be like, how attractive do you think Tom Brady is? Yeah. It's like, He's breaking down RPOs. So, like, you stop it. You stop asking him to speak Matthew's Chinese. The, Matthew's there for the for the the PhD lecture session, and, and Telemundo's there to find out what kind of you know g-string underwear he likes. Yeah. I stayed for 17 minutes on Devin McCourty because every third question was a football question, and yeah. his breakdowns were unbelievably good. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of Belichick, too, like Mike Zimmer, that he finds these really intelligent players and that he keeps them around. McCourty is kind of like their Terrence Newman. Uh, but, you know, Belichick, you see him adapt and adapt, and early in this season, they gave up 42 points the first week, 20 the next week, and then 33 the next two weeks after that. Yeah. It looked like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They finished fifth in points allowed, right behind the Eagles, because over the next few weeks, they adapted to what they were doing, yes. and they changed, and Stephon Gilmore, who looked like a bust of a free agent signing, finished 10th by pro football focus. Yes, you know, pe people mischaracterize so I think there's a lot been made, actually, of the Patriots, some of their draft failures over the last five or six years, and people are missing the real undercurrent that matters. I found this nugget on Yahoo Sports. Uh, is it Pete Thamel? Yeah, Pete Thamel is the college football writer. Thamel, yep. Uh, Thamel. Yep. And, and he did an excellent job. He painted this picture of Bill Belichick. And the, art the article is called One Number That Proves Bill Belichick Is Smarter Than Everybody Else. Okay? 53-man roster. How many undrafted guys are on the Patriots' 53-man roster right now? How many would you guess? I mean, what do the Vikings have? Like a handful, maybe? You know, Thielen? There's probably like seven or eight yeah, of them. Like yeah, how many are on theirs? 18. Yeah, yeah. So, what, one-third of their roster, undrafted guys. That's incredible. Yeah, and one of the reasons you might find that is just that um, they don't stay with their draft picks just because they're drafted. 
Like, if they get in a guy and realize he's not going to work, then they yep. probably move along from that person. Yeah. Uh, I do think that a lot of teams have undrafted players and that they all find gems because there are only so many draft picks and some guys come from smaller colleges and things like that. But the emphasis, I, I forget whether it was McCourty or Patrick Chung or one, one of these guys that was talking last night, was just talking about the emphasis on intelligence. I mean, you know, when they talk about the Patriot way and all that sort of stuff, it's no different than anybody else will try to sell you in terms of like well so what is the patriot way that was a question to everyone it was like well work hard to do your job well that's a new one that's no football coach has ever tried that before as if the other 31 teams don't work really hard and you know attempt as much as they can to do their job yeah i I think i think they find players who are highly intelligent who also communicate exceptionally well when i was listening to a lot of those guys last night i thought to myself i mean i know that they're on this stage and they probably purposefully put the best talkers up in their little whatever they are their little thrones and but it's it's, it was amazing to me how exceptional they were communicating and patrick chun was talking about he and devin mccourty how good they are at talking with each other out on the field and in between plays and things like that on the sideline as the safeties this game requires a lot of communication and teamwork and if you put your focus on your personnel I I think we saw this work for the Vikings this year too if you have your personnel of highly intelligent players who communicate extremely well they're probably going to succeed but what that players and Bill Belichick would rather tell you is, oh, it means you work hard. Yeah, <laughs> like, Because course, I don't want to tell you what the it. real secret is. The impressive thing that that team does, though, and, and this is a tough thing, that team can start off uh, on de- defense really poorly, and you're always convinced it's going to get fixed. I mean, think about the teams. Think about how, how many teams in this league can get off to a really bad start on one side of the ball, and you're still like, you know what, they'll be fine. For the most part, you say, Ooh, their offense is a train wreck. They're done. The Patriots can have two or three or a month worth of really questionable defensive games like they did this year, and you're still like, you know what? I think they'll be fine. And that, to me, I think what, what he does, too, is he gets highly intelligent players who have the ability to learn quickly as yeah. well and yeah. adapt. Yeah. yeah, I think, uh, to, to go off what you guys are saying, too, if you took a team of just the best blue-chip, first-round caliber athletes and then took a team of sort of, let's say, first and second round, and then and then you were only limited to third-round picks or later, but you have Bill Belichick able to sort of hand-select the smartest and the best communicators, like Holler was saying. The team of Bill Belichick's would beat the team of just blue-chip athletes that aren't maybe the best communicators or maybe don't retain uh, a complicated system very well, would beat that team on a regular basis. Uh, not that you shouldn't be mixing in some of the top athletes in the world as well. Like, if you can get a Xavier Rhodes who's both, or a Harrison Smith who's both, yep. you want that. But if you have to choose, you're going to choose the guy who understands the nuances of uh, of a route that needs to be tweaked and understanding the subcommunication with a quarterback or understanding what something looks like on film and then being in the right position as opposed to having to use his speed to run a flat line 40 to catch up to a wide receiver. And, and all of these things are the reason that I sort of laugh every year when we get to the Super Bowl and uh, one of the major talk hosts or guys who yell at the TV, um, they, they're is it Belichick or is it Brady? Like, oh, man, that's a new one. I think uh, Old Takes Exposed, the Twitter account, dug up three years in a row of Skip Bayless with a is it Belichick or is it Brady yeah. take. Um, but the 
as if like it has to be one or the other and not like a a third option of something too or both maybe are really good at what they do right right Right. and that's and that's exactly it is that when you look at tom brady's playoff success and you then look at his numbers in the playoffs they're not like completely mind-blowing numbers it's not like he has a 150 quarterback rating in the playoffs it's something like 91 yeah but He's also had the best defenses year in and year out. I think that during the entire Belichick era, they've only finished in the bottom half of the league in points against one time. They were number one in points against last year, number five in points against this year. So it's almost like, wow, you've got a brilliant defensive coach to go along with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And, oh, you win all the time. How about that? The, o- the only question about Belichick to me is this. Is he a better coach or personnel guy? Because his personnel decisions are completely genius. Well, like, I mean, like he's as great far as pers- both. Right, right. But but I'm saying, but I'm saying, if if there was a debate, it's not okay. Clearly, Belichick and Brady are fantastic at, at what they do. I think if there is an interesting discussion to actually be had, it's Belichick, because his personnel moves are absolutely fantastic, and and he, he also is willing to take a flyer on every piece of of potential garbage of a guy who was once a good player yeah. and look at him and say you're cut or oh my gosh you fit in perfectly here yeah yeah it's uh it's an interesting dynamic let, let's well, let, go ahead finish, oh, just, let's finish up in, on this in terms of the personnel versus the scheme and all that stuff i, I think they're so intertwined that you can't separate them that yeah. he finds players that fit with what he wants to do and that's something that the vikings have been exceptionally good at in building their number one defense too it's a, it's, a, it's a, all those things encompassing it's getting guys who are actually talented getting guys who are smart and who are great communicators but then also being able to design a scheme and know where these guys can fit in within that scheme i watched a youtube video this won't surprise you guys i watched a youtube video of wade phillips in front of a whiteboard breaking down the three four defense in every player's assignments and he talked about different players throughout his history how he's lined them up differently ricky jackson versus bruce smith i mean this guy goes way back right he's talking about position by position how he lined up tweaked them to line them up differently to have them have different assignments just based on their skill sets and the best coaches do this i think that with belichick there are a lot of coaches who are on his level in terms of understanding the scheme understanding how to maximize player skill they just don't have brady yeah and i would say to answer judd's question i think he's better at coaching precisely because they've whiffed on quite a few first and second round picks and yet he's able to still identify guys that fit what he wants to do schematically and then make it work. Exactly. Uh, let's come back here. Let's talk Vikings when we come back for the next couple segments. With Matthew Collar, his appearances on Radio Row are presented by Sprint. Powered by Sprint. Powered by Sprint. In fact, Can't. he has to sprint around the mall every time he steps foot in here. With extra or, power. Or it doesn't count. The sponsorship does not count. <laughs> uh, the Vikings have a handful of really interesting contract extension cases Judd and I talked a little bit about this yesterday. How would you prioritize them? Are there any that you could do without if you had to because of cap ramifications and also much more reckless quarterback speculation, more developments? In fact, we can get into the report slash speculation about Alex Smith when we come back to Mackie and Judd, Radio Row, Mall of America. Mackie and Judd from the Mall of America, Radio Row, Super Bowl week, day two for us. Matthew Collar joining us right now. And, of course, every time that we talk to Collar during the course of this week, it will be powered by Sprint. Sprint. 
So sprint to sprint because Matthew Collar is powered by sprint. Also, if people are wondering, I should send a photo out of these uh, L2 homeboy shirts. You can you can uh, do L2. your own Randy Moss deduction there. We've got homeboy shirts, and you can get them at the sprint stores that we have broadcast at this week and the ones that superstar Mike Morris is making appearances at. Full schedule, 1500ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. Five names prioritized for you here, Matthew Collar. Okay. All right, these are, these are youngish Vikings players that may have contracts coming up, and you may have to make a decision on them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't get all five of them in depending on cap, all right? Eric Kendricks, Stefan Diggs, Daniil Hunter, Trey Waynes, Anthony Barr. You know, the odd man out that I, I don't think he'll be the odd man out, but the odd man out for me would be Anthony Barr. And I think it's because of the price that he might demand. Um, the top linebackers in the league make around $10 million. I think that's where he would want to start the conversation. And that's a lot for a guy who this year was better but he was not superstar level. I think Pro Football Focus had him 44th to finish the season. Yeah. He got off to a really hot start. And he, that game in Chicago, he was unreal. But down the stretch, he was just okay. In the playoffs, he was just okay. And Kendricks is going to demand less money and I think is just as, if not more, valuable because of how quick he is and how good he is at tracking running backs out of the backfield. He can go one-on-one with tight ends because he's really, really fast, and we know that tight ends are being used more often. They're more athletic than uh, they've ever been before. I think he's more valuable there. And the rest of the guys, I think you have to resign. Trey Waynes this year, not perfect, but he had a pretty darn good year and proved that he's a guy that you're probably going to want to keep around for a long time because cornerbacks, good ones, are hard to find, and I think his trajectory is still going up. I don't even think he's reached his peak yet. We might even see a better Trey Waynes next year. Hunter is a must. That's a star edge rusher. Diggs is a must, star wide receiver. So if there's an odd man out, then I I think it might end up being Barr. Give me your uh, film breakdown assessment of why Barr is not more consistent. Well, you know, I, I think that this year and last year he was lacking in big plays a lot. And I also think that when opposing teams use the middle of the field or have good tight ends, he struggles there because of his height. I mean, when he came out in the draft, the guy who's 6'5 usually projects as an edge rusher, and like a 3'4 edge rusher, he is perfect for that sort of role. And that's not what he's been in this defense, that they've made him into an all-around player. And and again, it's not like he was a, a disaster or anything this year, but the big plays sort of tailed off and we haven't really seen that many of them over the last two seasons he had a handful of runs that he blew up earlier in the year and then that didn't happen as as the year went along so if you're talking about a guy who's not going to make game-changing plays but it's just a good player all around yep. 10 million dollars is not where i'd want to start with that player so is there a case to be made that the vikings should use him differently then well yeah no i thought Have that i thought that they might with the edge rushers that they have, right. they're so impressive. That I thought Hunter had a really good year. He didn't have as many sacks, but that's not the best way to grade these things. When you look at the quarterback pressures, he and Everson Griffin were almost even. And with Griffin getting so much attention, it was harder for teams to, to focus on Hunter. And there were a few games where he completely dominated. So when you have edge rushers like that, then you're probably blitzing up the middle. And I think teams have kind of figured out some of that 
blitz up the middle, the double-A gap thing. Now, I mean, their defense was number one, so they haven't completely figured it out. But uh, as far as him actually getting sacks and quarterback pressures, he was even better at pressuring the quarterback last year than he was this year for, for Barr. So I thought he did a great job against opposing running backs. He did a better job in coverage, but he was not a game-changer. Yeah. The guy on this list that is the most interesting. I think if, if, if your quarterback situation was different, you might have more leverage when it, when it comes to Stefan Diggs. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you probably don't need to pay two or three wide receivers top dollar, even though the Packers are. The Packers mm-hmm. have three of the, the, the 15 highest paid receivers in the league, which is even more reason why Ted Thompson is out. Like, right. you probably don't need... I get they're all very good. You probably don't need to be paying Jordy Nelson as your third highest paid receiver on the team. Um... But because you don't have any quarterbacks under contract, the ones that you did were not top tier or even mm-hmm. second tier, you need Thielen and Diggs to elevate the play of your quarterbacks. So with that said, do you agree that Stefan Diggs is a pretty huge priority to make sure he stays here for the next three to five years? I, I do, yeah. And the only concern that you would have is just the health issue, that he had to miss two games with the groin this year, he had to miss two games with the groin the year before. And then wasn't 100% in some of the games after that, Yeah, right? so he, he gutted it out, but, I mean, you, it probably impacted way more than just two games in both seasons. He said it was worse in 2016, uh, but when you look at... If you look at his fantasy numbers this year, you'd say, oh, this isn't a guy that you should pay $12 million a year. But if you look beyond that, if you look at, well, I would say the tape for one, but also the pro football focus score, he was eighth in the entire NFL. I mean, this is, if he's healthy, this is a $12 million top-tier elite wide receiver that you have to keep if your model is, well, we're going to be able to plug in almost anyone who's just good at playing quarterback and have a chance because this is the thing that's been boggling my mind talking about Alex Smith is when people say, well, I mean, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Like, yeah, those Super Bowl quarterbacks usually um, uh, stay with their teams. They, they don't come available, they're right? Hard to come by, so yes. your model is going to have to be, unless you somehow luck into a quarterback at the draft who turns into a superstar, your model for the coming years is going to have to be elevate Bridgewater, elevate Keenum, elevate Alex Smith, whoever it's going to be. And in that case, you cannot let go one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL and Stephon Diggs that you're going to have to sign him to a long-term deal. Now, where this gets hairy is as soon as you sign him to a long-term deal, Adam Thielen is going to turn around and go. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I, now I'm. Yeah, you know, we're one and one A here, and he's making twelve, and I'm making four. I'm going to have to make a change there, and I, I see that happening after next year. Once Diggs is under that big contract, mm-hmm. that they're going to go back to the Vikings and say, "All right, let's let's make this fair." Yeah. And that's where it gets really tricky in this cap conversation. That if you were just telling me I could have Kirk Cousins, like here you go. Just have Kirk Cousins. It's okay. He's a pretty good quarterback. Not perfect, but pretty good. Doing a piece on that for today, by the way. Uh, but he's going to cost almost $30 million. So how am I going to keep all the players that you just laid out who all these contracts would have to kick in in 2019? That's where things will get really complex for this team. Yeah. In fact, when we come back, let's do this. Let's. Uh, I found a Kirk Cousins anecdote that sort of plays into this conversation. If you're on the fence about Cousins, I've got some more evidence to bring to the table that he might be the real deal and more of the guy that we saw in 15 and 16. Okay, and I've got some that goes the other way on that. Let's do it. When we come back, Matthew Collar, 
with us, presented by Sprint here at the Mall of America. And by the way, this live broadcast and all of our live broadcasts uh, powered by the Mall of America. And you can find all kinds of information about the exciting events all week long associated with Super Bowl 52 at mallofamerica.com. We have Ryan Leaf on the show in about 30 minutes from now at 10.15, and uh, Ross Tucker for some meat and potatoes, Vikings, and NFL discussion at 10.45, plus Road Warrior Animal Baby of uh, NWA, AWA, and WWF slash WWE fame. He'll join us around 11.15. Mackie and Judd from Radio Row. 1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you to the ESPN campus in Bristol. You and a guest will receive round-trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN, sit in during a live taping of Golik and Wingo, and meet Golik and Wingo and more. Stop into any participating Minnesota Sprint store between now and February 9th to enter to win this trip that money can't buy. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword Sprint. Thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd hanging out with Matthew Collar and all of his appearances as well, powered by Sprint. Radio Row, and we're here all week from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock, and we have loaded guest lists every day this week. Ryan Leaf joins the show at 10.15 today. Ross Tucker for some football meat and potatoes at 10.45, and Road Warrior Animal <laughs> at 11.15. Get to and your favorite part. Exactly. It's going to be super exciting, yes. Uh, so, all right, we're, we're, we're sort of like we're – we're probably a month ahead on this, but Matthew's already sprinting in his yeah. seat right now. No, it's because he's powered, powered by, by sprint. sprint. Yeah. Right. Reminding you. Um, so Kirk Cousins is one of the names, if you're the Vikings and you're, and you're working with a blank canvas, you have nobody under contract. We've talked about Alex Smith. We've talked about Kirk Cousins. And I know you're going to write a piece about Cousins later on today for 1500ESPN.com. I just want to give you guys a few excerpts here from a sportsillustrated.com piece in November detailing how obsessed Kirk Cousins is with the behind-the-scenes work that goes into being a good quarterback. All right? The accountant athlete spends hours each week inside his cubicle. He has a custom, like, office cubicle inside the Redskins facility, which speaks to his favorite word alert, process, which megaphone shouts to his singular obsession, not playing football but getting ready for it. Former coach Mike Shanahan says he noticed the fixation on getting ready for the game immediately after the Redskins took Cousins in the fourth round of the 2012 draft, exactly 100 picks after they used the number two overall pick on RG3. At the end of that summer's training camp, with RG3 entrenched as the starter, Shanahan pulled Cousins aside. Quote, with what you've shown me, you could have a Drew Brees-type career, he told the backup. Cousins will never forget those words, an affirmation on his ethos. Mike didn't just show me that process matters, he showed me that my process works. Just to summarize the rest of it, he has a brain coach to reduce anxious feelings on the field. He has a naturopathic doctor, a biochemist, and he has mentors that include a Fortune 500 CEO. He reads everything he can get his hands on, and he considers himself a biology experiment with his process and his preparation. So if you're wondering, you know, is this just a guy who's kind of coasting by and he's you know, going to get a big paycheck? He's obsessed. He's sort mm -hmm. of a diet Tom Brady in that sense behind the scenes. And you have to figure out if you're the Vikings and he's one of your options, is he going to be a top 10-ish quarterback on the field with his results? Can we talk about him up? the brain coach for a second? Sure. So he's got a, so he's got a guy basically, if, if he feels stress or mentally taxed on the field, 
that he can go to to relax it. Not Sorry, during the game, I don't. No, know. like no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm saying like a like a guy that that he can go to on a Wednesday to talk so, through his so, anxiousness. So, for instance, he'll notice throughout his career, and I mean this applies to. You know, if you're if you're fearful of public speaking, for instance, whether you're a football mm-hmm. player or not, and your heart starts to palpitate and you start to feel anxious, how do you calm yourself in those moments? Right. And football players deal with that all the time. Okay, the game is speeding up, both you know literally and mentally. How do I slow my thinking down? How do I slow my heartbeat down? Mm-hmm. And he puts a lot of work into the science behind that. And that's how you maximize a fourth-round talent. Really. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's how Tom Brady has maximized sixth-round talent, and it's how Case Keenum has maximized undrafted, really. I mean, I don't know that Keenum has as much money as Cousins, who's been franchise tagged and is doing just fine. Yeah. He's I got say, when you're several that private jets. $50 million. Jets. Yeah, right. I mean, he's <laughs> he's just he's okay. He's not struggling with yeah. money. I mean, but maybe Keenum doesn't have all of those things, but anybody who has overcome being drafted that low the evaluators do not miss on skills they don't miss on who has the strongest arm they don't miss on who the most accurate is but the thing that you can never know as a talent evaluator is how someone is going to react to a situation that's like like baker mayfield for example the concern is that he's going to come into an nfl locker room and he's not going to be able to lead grown-ups with families who are just it's not going to be like college where they give him a pass on every stupid thing that he does. He's not going to be able to act like a frat boy. And then, you know, our team's going to be able to get inside his head when he's out on the field. If Kansas can get inside your head, I bet the Denver Broncos are probably better at it. So that's the concern with someone like like Cousins. The commitment there is incredible. And that's why he's been able to maximize these skills. But the problem is that some of his shortcomings are still major shortcomings that keep him, I think, from being an elite quarterback. And there is no more interesting case than what lies box scores tell you than Kirk Cousins. Because if you look at the last three years, he is one of the highest rated by just quarterback rating. Yeah, in quarterbacks. Fact, he's, he's, if you just take traditional passer rating the yep. last three years, he's sixth. Right. And all the guys above him are going to the Hall of Fame. But his pro football focus scores, they grade your throws. So when, when you hear, oh, a guy ranked this at PFF. A lot of people scoff at that. So ex- defend that and explain right. why that should be included. Well, no, well, I think that's a great thing. I mean, you're, you're judging how much impact wide receivers had, how much impact uh, scheme had, were guys wide open. And it's just grading how you threw the football, basically. And he's ranked 14th, 9th, and this year 20th. And you could say, oh, well, he had T.J. Clemmings playing left tackle at one point. And, yes, that's true. And losing Deshaun Jackson impacted him. Right. And he had a ton of drops this year, so his box score numbers went down. But even when this pocket was kept clean, PFF graded him the 26th best quarterback this year. So, I mean, he does struggle with things like accuracy. He does struggle. His third down grade was not very good. His big-time throw grade wasn't very good. So when you're talking about your quarterbacks who make it to the Super Bowl, your Ben Roethlisberger's, Tom Brady's, who make these unbelievable throws that just make your mind blow up, this is not that type of quarterback. In fact, he's very much like a glorified Case Keenum or just a or just a Case Keenum who's done it for more years than Case. I mean that they have a lot of similarities in the inaccuracy, sometimes over risk taking. He throws a lot of interceptions, double digits the last three years. So with if you're comparing him to someone like Alex Smith, 
Smith has all the, those physical tools to make those big-time throws and did that a lot this year mm -hmm. to, to lead him to those great box score numbers, whereas Cousins really needs that supporting cast and really needs that well, uh, that great setup in order to succeed. Hey, Judd, let's, you respond to that when we come back because okay. we're, we're up against it right here uh, top of the hour. Stay for one more segment if you can, unless, unless you have to go talk to Tom Brady. Matthew no, uh, no, Brady's talking later. Okay, good. But you are powered by Sprint. Yes, Matthew Collar, all of his appearances powered by sprints. That's why he sprints around the Mall of America. So uh, before we get, let's talk more quarterback when we come back. Ryan Leaf will join us in about 20 minutes, yes. but Judd, go ahead. But first, I am here to tell you I am. Uh, I w want to talk about my friends Prime Mortgage Lending and my friend Kent McCullough in particular. And here's an important word to Kent and his team, trust. Whether it's your friend, business partners, or teammates. Heck, the two teams playing in the big game got here in large part because of trust, and so much of success is based on trust. If you're shopping for a new mortgage, you can count on Prime Mortgage to give you sound advice and straight answers. You can count on Kent. You can trust them. If you're considering a refi, the Prime team will take the time to understand your goals and your situation to make sure that a refi puts you in a better financial position. Even if you're not sure if a refi makes sense for you, you can talk to Prime and find out. Here's the key with Prime and Kent. They would rather earn your trust than, than sell you a loan. I'll say it again. They would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. Again, you can trust them. 